1: And the Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit them online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production. And we've got the rain here. At theadvertisingshow.com, great site, uh, great destination, whether you check it out throughout the week or here on the weekend as well. Our special guest uh, this weekend is Jeff Jarvis, a former TV critic for TV Guide and People and creator of Entertainment Weekly, Uh, Sunday editor and associate publisher of the New York Daily News. The guy knows how to write, okay? Also a columnist for the San Francisco Examiner. Uh, Jeff is in joy and uh, we've got him uh, for the next uh, few segments here on the Advertising Show. Also... He is a media consultant and blogger with Buzz Machine.
2: Okay? Buzz Machine, yeah.
1: Buzz Machine. We've got uh, Jeffrey Ginnemer, apparently, is somewhere in the world unable to record his show this week. So basically, what we did is we got another Jeffrey, Jeff Jarvis, to take his yeah. place. Also, going to bring back something that you haven't heard uh, in a while uh, it's our advertising showcase, where we do the good advertising and bad advertising. Tonight, we're not going to rip anybody's ad apart. We'll praise it because it, it's good. Okay, we'll do that a little bit later on. Also have Patrick Meyer with us, uh, the Marketing Insider, and he's talking about the moment of truth. Mm. So there we have it. So what do, you, what do you got there?
2: And by the way, when you were mentioning Jeff, uh, as of September 2006, yes. he will become associate professor at City University of New York. So I think we're getting some kind of credit towards uh, our uh, advanced degrees uh, today. Or giving uh, the him interview. some curriculum or something like that. Something's happening there, but I've got my uh, student ID out just in case. Uh, Good, I brought you here. Yeah. Uh, Well, we never stopped that since college, I don't think. No. no. uh, A few weeks ago, if you're a regular listener to the advertising show, I teased and told that I was going to follow up on this last week, and I didn't. And it was a news item that we had to cut short due to the uh, show ending. But, uh, Ray, you'll be uh, interested in this. And Hanoi... Vietnam students have taken cheating to a new level. last mm-hmm. uh, just recently, two weeks uh, I'm sorry, uh, weeks ago, two students taking uh, university in- entrance exams were caught allegedly utilizing concealed cell phone headsets to receive answers from members of an exam help syndicate. Oh, really. Yeah. After unmasking the first cheaters, police discovered that the additional 22 university students had uh, paid between this is pretty pricey, $937 to $3,125, Man more my. than the country's per capita GDP. By the way, f- to, for help in the cheating, and the students were provided with wigs <laughs> to obscure their headsets and even wired T-shirts, uh, and of course, uh, this is taking, I guess, mobile marketing to a new. Highway. a new high, huh? yeah, or a new have, Hanoi. Uh, no, a new low. Well,
1: yeah, well, anyway. That's, that's terrible. You know, speaking of mobile marketing, I want to talk about this later. The uh, uh, Viacom is really into the, uh, big into the uh, London underground uh, with a whole bunch of new stuff. They're calling it the biggest deployment of digital video technology in the service of out-of-home advertising. Incredibly. 136000000 million they're investing over the next two years to install 2,200 screens in the subway network in the London Underground. That's
2: huge. And the tube. That's huge. The tube, as they call it. Something like that. Yeah. That, yeah, that's well, weird. That- that is weird. And, you know, a lot of people probably that uh, just listen domestically in the uh, North American markets don't realize that Clear Channel has a, a big presence in, in Europe, in particular in outdoor. Yeah, they have a Polka station over there in Poland, I think. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh,
1: this past week, it's no secret, has been a real interesting thing for air travelers. Uh, but, you know, to, to every bad side, there's a good side, okay? Mm-hmm. What, what was that? Uh, opportunities to please your customers uh, when they get to their Destinations. You know, the, the, the thing that I didn't understand is why didn't all of these people, like, go back to the baggage counter, go back and get their bag, put all of their mm-hmm. expensive garbage in the bag? Right. Uh, because it was never very clear in this whole chaotic thing. And they did a pretty good job of responding to that. Right. But w- whether you were allowed to actually pack the stuff, put it on the airplane and go, that you know, that would seem harmless, it seemed to me. So all of these people throwing all this stuff away. But here... Is what? And they, by the way, I think they said today... Gave to this, the homeless.
2: Pardon me? I they gave so. all I, that to the homeless, yes. Did they? Did they really? Well, they said that. My wife said that. She said she read that somewhere. But I'm envisioning a homeless person using what? Lipstick, uh, nail polish, remover. What would they need with that? Uh, not much. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but the, the, here's the thing. The hotels, uh, quickly to rush to the the uh, business of travelers. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, what were they doing? Um, the what did they say? Our hotels have stocked up on amenities we don't typically, go, t- typically oh, offer the guests, like air gel, hairspray, deodorant, yada yada. Um, Omni Hotels announced it would replenish all forms of liquid and gel basics for its guests as well. And there is a one exp- unexpected sector that says could see a bump thanks to the frequent travelers who don't check their bags, and that's called shipping. There was one guy hmm. uh, that sent his dot bag FedEx. That's smart. And Mm -hmm. uh, very, I I don't know. But, uh, you know, things are going to get back. Probably, well, what is normal these days? Probably nothing is normal, but it's really kind of interesting. I was just really surprised of all these people that they were throwing this stuff away. Mm -hmm. I would get a little bit more creative if I, you know, had a $150 bottle of uh, cologne or perfume or, or something expensive that I couldn't fix or take. Well, needless to say, air travel is not exactly what it used to be, and it probably never will be again. Thank you very much. Uh, whoever's responsible for that. We, uh, we have Patrick Meyer here on the advertising show. This is called The Moment of Truth. And actually, because this is a
3: couple minutes long, this is two moments of truth. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about the moment in truth and something I could not believe that I was reading. What I'm talking about goes back to Procter & Gamble laying out a strategy focused on the first moment of truth. Refocusing on understanding and building their plans around capitalizing on the consumer coming into retail. Every marketer out there nodded their head and said, yes, that makes a lot of sense. I want to hear more. Here's what shocked me reading a letter that said that the first moment of truth didn't make sense that retail was about mass that it didn't support a campaign effectively i'm thinking this person doesn't understand the dynamics of the consumer shopping behavior how they make decisions and how you can influence brand sales through retail not to say that the campaign is not important but it was a myopic approach with advertising as the driver with no connection to the last 20 yards when the consumer is making that purchase so if you believe that the first moment of truth has any potential here's what i recommend that you do First, insights. Go with the consumer into the retail experience and understand how they shop. What do they do before? What do they do after? What's the role of family members on influence? Second, identify how best to touch the consumers and what your specific objectives are. Do you want them to buy you, try you, buy more frequently, buy bigger sizes, etc. Third, lay out what your options are. How can you get there? What are your valuable resources? An important part to that is your customer. Your retail customer and your customer plan, combined with what your consumer, first moment of truth, objective strategies are, that's where the sweet spot lies. Lastly, make sure you tailor your campaign creative and your messaging to your target and what's happening at retail. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer. And remember, the marketing revolution is now.
1: And by the way, here on The Advertising Show, you can bring any liquids you want. That's fine. True. Not a problem. No. Jeff yep. Jarvis coming up here in uh, just a moment or so. Jeff is former television critic for television, uh, TV Guide, Television Guide, and okay. People, uh, creator of Entertainment Weekly, Sunday editor, associate publisher of the New York Daily News. This is a long bio, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Your mom wrote it. And a right. columnist on the uh, San Francisco Examiner, until recently president, creative director of Advance.net, the online, uh, online arm of Advance Publications. He's working now... As an editor of a uh, new news startup, (laughs) we're out of time and we haven't gotten done with his bio yet. (laughs) Well, uh, let's just bring him on. Uh, Brad, what do you think? Let's do that. Okay, very good. Jeff Jarvis with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show. And that is, well, right about now.
0: Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth.
3: What's up? He knows stolen the different vitamins we need to make Flintstones.
4: Yabba-da-ba-doo, yabba da doo Flintstone vitamins are good to chew with vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C. And vitamin yep, Fred and
1: Barney certainly didn't know how to get us to take our vitamins, didn't they, Brad? And oh, yeah. We still take them. Probably too many, but that's okay. <laughs> and we'll find out a little bit later on that we shouldn't have. Uh, Jeff Jarvis is our special guest, media consultant, blogger with Buzz Machine out of Jersey. And, uh, Jeff, welcome to the advertising show. Great to have you here. Thank you.
2: Yeah, Jeff, uh, first off, uh, talk about your departure as president of AdvancedNet. Why the move?
4: I'd done that for 11 years. I worked for the new houses and loved working for them. It was great. But, um, you know, I'd kind of done the big media company online transition shtick and wanted to try to do some more things. And by teaching at City University of New York, I can try to work with the people who are going to be in charge of the future of journalism and get to work on a startup and get to blog and just be more free. Paid go. less, and paid a lot less, but I have more fun.
1: Oh, you did yeah, you I say know. you're paid a lot less? Oh, yeah.
2: Okay. But you're a consultant now, so by the hour, if you put it down to the hourly rate, <laughs> you're paid a lot more.
1: Uh, if only that were true.
2: Yeah. yeah, well, you know, speaking of, of uh, your, your current uh, work and so forth, besides writing for your blog, BuzzMachine.com, a, a, a blog worth a uh, while visiting, by the way, if you haven't, uh, I'd encourage our listeners to check that out. You also uh, work on content development as a consultant for About.com, uh, owned uh, by New York Times Digital, by the way, uh, for those that may not know. Were you at all skeptical, Jeff, about the uh, old line, property, I guess, you know, getting into new media without maybe really understanding its inherent differences, or I guess that's why they hired you, huh?
4: Well, I actually was, yeah, but I think that uh, Martin Nissenholtz was in charge of the digital vision for the New York Times, uh, who, of course, obviously pays me now, but, but I, you know, even before that happened, I, I kind of made fun of it a little bit. Hmm. But Martin said, you know, Jarvis, you keep on saying that this is about a, a network and about distributed uh, journalism, and that's the new model, and that's what About.com does. And he convinced me and then, and then brought me in to consult and work on things like getting them into more of the conversation and, and figure out some new ways. And it's absolutely fascinating because about.com is, uh, has a genius in a few things. One is search engine optimization. They are brilliant at getting themselves up high in search. And two, at this model of having 600 individuals out there with their own areas of expertise and interest creating these really rich sites. And so it's a whole new and different model to create content and community.
2: Is uh, the, the online version of the New York Times promoting About.com, or do they keep it as separate entities?
4: It's pretty separate, but there is some promotion going back and forth, and About has huge traffic at the Top Ten site, and so it also promotes the New York Times.
2: Yeah, I would imagine. So let's stay with blogs for a second. Where are we with advertisers and PR firms utilizing blogs as a part of a marketing strategy? Bring us up to date here, Jeff.
4: Well, we're starting to get there, but the problem is, to be candid about it, the blogs aren't quite ready for them. And so there are things that I think we need in the blogging world to make this happen. I've been arguing, I wrote a piece for AdAge about two months ago arguing for the need for a an open source ad network, hmm. which of course sounds digitally haughty. But what it really means is that the problem is an advertiser comes along now and says, okay, I want to buy blogs. I hear about these blogs. I want to buy them. But to, to find the right blogs, to find the right ones on the right topics, to know how big they are, to find the measurements for them, and then to even contact them because they don't put their email addresses on them because they don't want spam, mm-hmm. makes it impossible to buy the advertising. Now, you can go to a bunch of individual networks like federated media and blog ads and, and others, or, or you can go to Google and not know where you are. Um, but the problem with that is you still can't kind of put together the best across all this world of blogs. And I argue that there's a need for an open source network that has standardized measurement so the advertisers can have the crack that they so much love in measurement, uh, a means to put up uh, uh, standard ad calls on blogs so that you can easily do that, and then perhaps some need for a, a, a an auction marketplace. Uh, but I think that what's happening is the advertisers are starting to realize that um, – the mass of niches is replacing the mass, and it's not one-stop shopping and upfront anymore. They've got to go and create these new marketplaces, but in the end, it's going to be a lot better for them because it's far more efficient, far more targeted, a far better relationship. But as Bob Garfield said in the piece he wrote for Ad Age more than a year ago, we're in a chaos scenario where the advertisers are beginning to realize they've got to leave the old world, but the new world is not ready for them.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, Bob did a great job with that chaos uh, series, I guess, or a few articles. And you know, you mentioned uh, the auction model. I just, I believe, just this past week, I read something where uh, some company tying in with eBay had just launched or was about to launch an uh, an online uh, network ad network on an auction model basis. Did you read about that?
4: Big deal. Uh, Julie Rome, I believe her her name is, who was the head of uh, was an advertising executive at Chrysler and is now at Walmart put together a consortium of a handful of major brands who are now trying to basically replace upfront with this idea of an open an, an open marketplace and I was happen to be at the ANA meeting where she proposed this at first and there was stunned silence in the room but um, you know at some point now the big media companies are no longer in charge they can't keep shrinking their audience and raising their rates and there is a need for, for a new transparency so we'll see where this goes
2: yeah, and I think the jury's still out on – it's not that uh, it can't be driven or by need or, or desire of the advertiser or the buy side. I think the jury's still out as to whether the media companies will participate, uh, issues of uh, rate integrity and so forth. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, I guess traditional media companies are not in not so much in a position of leverage at this point, would you say?
4: No, they're not in full control anymore. And the problem is, too, that if, if we let this go with uh, a vacuum, you know who's going to fill that vacuum is Google. Right. Google's coming along, and, you know, fine on them. They're trying to sell um, uh, everything from from not only just search ads now, but to radio and broadcast. And this last week, they announced a plan to put uh, free local merchants coupons on Google Maps.
2: On the Maps, yeah. Which
4: is a stake in the heart of newspapers. Newspapers which which have lost, of course, huge money at the top line with retail consolidation and with classified going online really should have been trying to figure out the strategy to get to a hyper-local level of a whole bunch of small advertisers, and Google's going to beat them to it.
1: And that's a con- uh, that's a connection with, uh, what is it called, Value Valpac, I guess. Valpac
4: has a deal with Valpac, and so yeah. they'll prime the pump with thousands of coupons there. And at first it's a print coupon, but I can well imagine you'll have it on your mobile phone, you'll go in the store, sh- shove your phone in their face and say, here, give me my 10% sure, off. Sure,
1: that's great.
2: Yeah, and while we're touting Google, I guess the big announcement recently about their about News Corp and and Google getting together to to be the uh, search engine for uh, MySpace, I guess, huh?
4: And, and it certainly made Rupert Murdoch look smart about about the Google purchase, I mean, about the MySpace purchase. But similarly, to go back to my consulting um, conflict of interest here, when New York <laughs> Times Company paid four hundred ten million dollars for About .com, some laughed. But the truth is that Google not only sends About.com the lion's share of its traffic but also sends it a huge amount of ad revenue because that ad revenue is now highly targeted. So Google does know how to monetize this new world. I do think, however, that what we're missing there is that that Google has an incredible volume and mass. It's really kind of the new up front in a very small way. But the value of this new medium is not the coincidence of words on a page. The value is relationships and trust. I think that's where things like blogs and citizen media will have an impact in this world. We just don't know how to harness
1: it yet.
2: You know, I'd like to jump into that in greater detail next uh, segment, Ray. How long do we have left here in this? Just
1: a couple of minutes here, Brad. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, And by the way, just to finish up on Google, nine hundred and some odd million dollars is guaranteed uh, by MySpace for or by Google in terms of ad revenue share with the relationship. We're about uh, MySpace
4: and a few of the Fox properties over. I think it's a little more than three years.
2: Yeah, but, uh, I never heard I a
4: 580 million for MySpace. It now looks like a good deal.
2: Exactly, and mm-hmm. thanks for clarifying that because I keep saying that number thrown around, but I didn't see a, a, a time frame there. So it's a three-year uh, well, I could guarantee. Be wrong
4: on that, but it's
5: not one year, yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, good. Are, are bloggers, real quickly, are bloggers being held to a higher standard than the mainstream media when it comes to being completely forthright about uh, where a story might have originated, Jeff.
4: Uh, Bloggers are holding themselves to that standard, yes. I I think there was a story in the New York Times some time ago about Walmart and its PR strategy and a a clueless blogger quoted from a PR agent without attributing it. And the New York Times took them to task, but I realized in my blog and I said, well, but how many reporters admit that they got their story from a flack? How many reporters (laughs) reveal that they had lunch with a PR agent, Uh, that the story angles and the access came from PR agents? Reporters and newspapers don't do that. Mm -hmm. But bloggers do demand the highest virtue of the blogging world is not objectivity, which was a sacred cow and a a false god. The highest virtue of blogging is transparency, is openness, is honesty.
1: That's the way it should be for everything as well. Jeff Jarvis is our special guest, media consultant, blogger, Buzz Machine. BuzzMachine.com is the website here at The Advertising Show. Our our site, TheAdvertisingShow.com, is a really cool site, very powerful as well, powered by uh, Shippel.com out of the Houston area, our home market. And a product called Tendency, which is a web marketing tool. Check it out. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L dot com. Thanks to Ed and his team for a great job here in Houston. We've got uh, more with Jeff, along with Ray Schilling's and Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show. We hope you stay with us.
0: Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show.
4: the most happy fellas, the four lads for Ford. Standing on the corner, watching
5: all the Fords
1: go by. Great classic spot on the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and we have Professor Jarvis here. Is that what they <laughs> yeah. call you at the... At the... Uh, that makes me uh,
4: sound
2: as old as I look. You still have the beard, Jeff? Yeah, yeah.
4: It's white. Okay,
2: well, you fit in there. Corduroy jacket? Uh, no. Okay, <laughs> good. That's fine. <laughs> Khakis. Pipe. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Welcome and back. Before, at, back in those days, it was called a bong anyway.
1: Yeah, no, I was thinking of more of the Fred Murray kind, Brad. But that's okay. <laughs> you yourself, too. But that's all right. Yeah, there you go. I'm sorry. Hey, welcome back to the advertising show, Jeff. Good to have you here. Thank you.
2: Yeah. uh, You know, we had Lance Still uh, with New Line Cinema on the show recently, and she talked about how bloggers started publicizing their movie Snakes on a Plane before New Line even knew about it. Uh, I'm curious about what your thoughts are on bloggers getting ahead of planned marketing strategies. How can a company, Jeff, control this kind of behavior, or can they?
4: You can't, and and, and you never should have tried and and, and give it up. Uh, You're not in control of your brand. Your customers are. And if your product is good, your customers can give you incredible value. If your product is bad, they (laughs) are going to come down on you like a ton of lead bricks. Um, But if your product is good, I'm a great fan of my Trio phone. I love my little Trio. And there's a blog called Trio Knotts, T-R-E-O-N-A-U-T-S, which is a guy who just liked the phone, started a blog. It is now his full-time job. His entire life is writing a blog about one phone.
1: Dear God. <laughs> but
4: what happens here that's, this is wonderful is if you start to say, okay, you have a good product, now what can we hand over to our customers? What can they do for us? Well, when I have a problem with the phone or a question, I don't go to Sprint where I'm going to be on hold for three hours. I go to Trio Knots or Trio Central, and I find fellow customers who give me customer support for free. The company doesn't mm-hmm. cost the company anything. They, they provide the, the advertising message. Why should you buy this phone? Now, advertisers might say, well, that's off message. Well, maybe your message is off. And and so Trio knots tells me why. I, in fact, I just bought the new 700 version because the guy at Trio knots convinced me to. <laughs> they This guy even sits down and photoshops images of the phone to try to suggest redesign. If you are smart, you can hand over to your customers, if you have a good product, customer service, marketing promotion, uh, even product design. Uh, if you have a bad product, well, then your customer is going to come after you, and they now have the power to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I hear companies talk about how they, well, I can't control the conversation out there. Well, the conversation has been going on without you forever. The only difference right. now is you can hear it. And, and and if you don't listen to it, you're a damn fool.
2: Yeah, and, uh, you know, the smart ones are listening. It's surprising to me that some companies are just now uh, getting a, a clue to this. And, you know, it, it's, no, it's no secret. Kids are uploading their favorite ads to YouTube. I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with you, YouTube.com. And, you know, uh, I'm curious, how should advertisers react, in your opinion, when they when their work shows up on YouTube or when spinoffs of their ads show up on YouTube? Is this a good thing or a bad thing, Jeff? Yeah,
4: it's a good thing. It's going to happen anyway. Again, you cannot control it. Your customers are the boss. You aren't. Get used to it. Now, once you once you get your head around that, then try to figure out how to go with that flow. When people discovered that dropping Mentos into Diet Coke caused great um, <laughs> yeah. uh, fountains, and a couple of guys went along and, and created this, you know, Coke kind of, what I understood, they kind of stood back and said, "Well, I, I, I guess that's okay." But in a remix society, Coke was being remixed, and it was a great thing. Now, mm-hmm. Mentos turned around, and Mentos has made a bonanza out of this, and it's given them great PR. Right. And it just happened. They couldn't have engineered this. You can't go in and say, well, I'm going to be viral. That doesn't work. It's not up to you. Mm-hmm. But the fact that this happened, Mentos was smart enough to say, let's go with this. And that's what a smart marketer should do now.
2: Yeah, and you knew uh, it it hit mainstream when you saw on Letterman a few weeks ago him doing the uh, Mentos Coke deal. Uh, I don't stay up that late. I TiVo it now. Let's talk a little bit about uh, shield laws for journalists for a second. Jeff, I've always felt short of some issues pertaining to national security, journalists should, you know, always have the right to protect their sources. So how do bloggers fit into this picture, Jeff?
4: It's a very, very complicated story. Uh, certainly, I believe that, that that journalism should be defined not by the person but by the act. Anybody can perform an act of journalism. Anybody can witness and uncover and share news. Um, and so, I think it's a big mistake to to limit that to somebody who fits some official definition, because that means officialdom can take that definition away just as easily. But having said that, it's not as easy as it seems. Uh, you know. People complain to me when I talk about citizen journalists, and the journalists say, well, I'm a citizen too. Well, yeah, you are, actually, and you do have an obligation to society, and if you witness a crime, what is your obligation in in that? Can you really be above and apart from the law and not report what you know about that crime? And that's a big issue. Well, what if the crime is the White House revealing something? Um, You know, should you be compelled to reveal that? It's very, very, very complicated. A a vlogger, a video blogger, in California was just is, is in jail right now because he refused to hand over tapes of a, a demonstration against globalization that he had uh, taken, uh, saying that he's a journalist. The problem was this was done under federal court and federal law has no shield law. California state does, but the federal laws do not. And that's how Judy Miller of the New York Times ended up in jail. That's how this guy ended up in jail. Mm. Wow. And on the one hand, I absolutely agree that no, we've got to keep an open society, and the way to do that is to guarantee that we can report. But the other truth is that in a world where everyone can be a reporter, you know, what's going to happen? Is Tony Soprano going to turn around and say, well, I blogged that. You can't take me to court? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's got to be a point in time where you, uh, I guess, it'll come down to some court case and, you know, some uh, Supreme Court decision, and it'll be, uh, uh, you know, handled through our court system, I suppose. Uh, you, you recently, this past August, uh, early August uh, 6th, I suppose, posted on your blog, BuzzMachine.com, about how Charles Johnson, uh, who, for those that may not know, helped expose the fake CBS memos that uh, brought Dan Rather down, exposed a Reuters photography faking a, uh, photo to add more smoke to the skyline, which resulted in a suspension of the photograph and a public apology. And you know, next segment we're going to talk about there
1: that. Go. <laughs> <Yeah>. good timing. <laughs> we've got to we got to take a break here. We'll be back with more with uh, Ray Shulz and Brad Forsyth. Our special guest out of Jersey is uh, Jeff Jarvis, media consultant blogger at Buzz Machine.
0: Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is the Advertising Show. Oh,
1: juicy. Hey, how about a nice Hawaiian punch? Sure.
0: You taste
1: seven kinds of fruit in Hawaiian punch. Seven kinds of fruit in Hawaiian punch. Hawaiian punch is made with kind seven of kinds of have a refreshing break there with the Advertising Show. Fruit. One more segment with uh, Jeff Jarvis, media consultant and blogger Buzz Machine, along with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And Jeff, welcome back to the show. Thank you.
2: Yeah, let's just uh, jump right into that question. And, uh, you know, spin and deception are nothing new. And and certainly now with the rise of technology, it's just made uh, a lot easier, I suppose. Uh, Recently, just this past week, I I think I saw on on one of the cable networks, Jeff, about how um, some of the uh, propaganda coming out of the uh, Hezbollah uh, Israeli issue over there was being spun by the uh, Hezbollah uh, group. And they were doctoring photos and so forth. Uh, this, this is, uh, apparently a problem that, uh, needs to see, halt, and I guess the bloggers are really the ones that are coming in and coming to the uh, rising to the occasion for this. Uh, where's traditional media with all this?
4: Well, I don't think we can go so far as to say whether Hezbollah is behind it, but we do know that a photographer working for Reuters allegedly doctored a photo, oddly, to try to make war look worse, mm-hmm. which is hard to do. But the good news is that, that Charles Johnson at Motor Green Football, the bloggers came in and showed what was done immediately, and Reuters, as opposed to CBS and then, rather, which waited 11 days to respond, Reuters came right in and responded and suspended the photographer and pulled him to Investigation and pulled his photos, and in the end gave credit to the blogger and thanked him, because what do we care about? We care about the truth. Right. And so the, the point of networked journalism, the point of pro-am journalism, is that we can all try to work together to find the truth. And at some point, you know, every one of your customers can be a journalist because every one of your customers can report an experience to the world. I had problems with a Dell computer; it was awful. I went, I, I, I blogged it. It became this kind of cause celeb, and and I suspect my name is is mud in Texas, but but it went around and around and around, but Dell just came around a few weeks ago and, and started a blog. And at first it was clumsy and promotional, but now they're actually trying to deal directly with their problems. They just had a huge problem with the recall of batteries, they had other problems, and for the first time Dell is treating its customers like people, not like sounds on the other end of a hold button, and are trying to deal with these issues. They've got huge problems to solve, but the first step is to have a human conversation with your customers. Uh, there's a great book called Food Trade Manifesto that was written a few years ago. It's free online now. That really talks about how markets are conversations. And that's what these advertisers and consumer brands must learn and relearn every day.
2: Yeah, the long tail just came out in book form. I'm, I'm just beginning that book. Have you had a chance to read it, Jeff?
4: Uh, yeah, actually, I listened to it.
2: Yeah, I'm listening to it as well. I didn't want to say that, but since we're listeners, yeah, I'm listening to it as well. I'm only uh, part way through. I thought it was uh, certainly for those that are familiar with the Long Tail. It's uh, an Anderson that wrote it. It's a great uh, enlargement and a more updated version of that. Do you feel that uh, too few news organizations aggressively push out corrections beyond their corrections page today? And typically, aren't bloggers much better and quicker at correcting mistakes than the big media?
4: Yeah, I believe generally we are because we're forced to. If, If I don't correct a mistake then people are on me like blood, white blood cells on a germ. Um, now, some people are just disagreeing with me, and they call that, a, that an error, and we can, we can argue about that. But, yes, I think that there is a, an ethic of quick and open correction. And newspapers and, Lord knows, TV stations radio stations take forever, and I mean literally forever, to correct mistakes. And that's mm-hmm. a problem.
2: Yeah, and it's rather difficult as well, because if you don't catch that correction at that moment when they're correcting... Who knows it was corrected, right? Uh, I'm, you know, you mentioned network journalism, and for those that may not be familiar with it, first you might want to uh, define that for us. But I understand that, uh, you know, going forward, uh, that it's something that we'll be seeing more and more of, both where bloggers are tying in with networks and so forth. Talk a little bit about that, Jeff. But
4: I was just writing a column about that for The Guardian. Um, I, I think that where we had – I used to call it citizen journalism, but I think that's a mistake because it defines the journalism by the person. It kind of separates – pro and amateur. Instead, the idea of network journalism is that we're all in this together and that the professionals working at newspapers and and, and TV stations will be doing what they do, but they get tremendous help from uh, the citizens. Whether that's correcting their errors, as in the Reuters case, or whether that's dispatching hundreds of citizens to go out and find about um, prescription drug prices or, or, or how their schools are operating or all kinds of other things. We can expand and explode journalism in all kinds of new ways if we support these efforts being done by the amateurs, who have the same goals that the professionals have, which is an informed society. If we're open and generous with this, some pretty incredible things can happen. Jay Rosen, his professor at, at NYU, just proposed something called newassignment.net, which is an amazing project where the, his, his notion is that people will come in and support new investigative journalism with money and ideas and even reporting, and we can work together to, uh, again, expand journalism.
2: Yeah, and uh, what do we have, about a minute left here, Ray? Actually, about a half minute, Brad. Yeah. Well, in that half minute, I will just uh, ad-lib for a little bit and talk about how wonderful it is to have Jeff Jarvis as our guest today, don't you think, Ray? I think so, too. Jeff, you have a good time. Mm
1: Thank you. You bet I did, once again. Go to uh, buzzmachine.com to find out more about uh, what Jeff is up to, or actually most any other publication, you'll probably find him there, too. And if you'd like to go back to school, City University of New York's Graduate School of Journalism might be a good place for you to start if you're thinking about that stuff as well. So, Jeff, again, thanks for being a part of the advertising show. Thank you, guys. Back in just a minute with more, we've got the Advertising Showcase along with uh, Ray Shillings and Brad
0: Forsyth. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. There's nothing like the face of a kid eating a Hershey bar.
5: There's nothing like it you'll ever see.
1: Great spot, and we say uh, once again thanks to Jeff Jarvis, uh, a two-timer now officially on the advertising mm-hmm. show. Been back uh, uh, back in '05 and now in '06, and we'll probably have him back in '07. Yeah. And we'll see if he got his degree at the uh, University <laughs> of New York. No idea what he already did. But uh, Alex Ben Block is a guy who's been uh, with us on several occasions, and he is coming up uh, next week. Entertainment, industry, journalist, and author. Uh, and also an actor. He's also been uh, appeared in a few things as
2: well. And the father of an upcoming singer. That yeah, we'll we will have to check on that to too, that. as well. Yeah.
1: it's. Uh, it's uh, he was very proud of that as well. So yeah. she cool. had she,
2: she posted her music on uh, MySpace mm-hmm. long before that was extremely popular as it is today, and uh, had a chance to listen to it. And she's quite a quite a talent.
1: Excellent. Well, I wish her well, and we'll be happy yeah. to have uh, Alex back with us as well. Maybe he can plug her. Uh, possibly so. He, and he probably yeah. will, because we'll ask him that, okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Y- y- this is a regular feature. You don't hear it as much on the advertising show as you used to, but uh, we look at the upside and the downside of advertising and try to tell you what we feel is good or bad and uh, trying to help you out a little bit as far as uh, your, your game plan for marketing and your strategy. So this week, uh, no trash. Just all good, and uh, here it comes, our Advertising Showcase.
0: And now it's time for the Advertising Show's Advertising Showcase, an outstanding example of on-target advertising. For the good stuff, here's Ray and Brad.
1: we got a bunch of stuff there. What is that uh, this well, week we've got going?
2: You're, yeah, well, you're a fan of uh, vodka, aren't you, Ray? Oh, absolutely. You prefer the gin martini, but you'll drink vodka. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well... Of course, some uh, people haven't. might say that's a problem, but well, that's <laughs> fine. <you know. laughs> anyway, the 64th annual, uh, annual Obie Awards were presented this past April, and if you're not familiar with the Obie Awards, of course, that's the outdoor industry's version of the Academy Awards, I suppose. Uh, and and although all the uh, creative that we saw during that competition was outstanding, there was one particular effort that was created by Euro RSCG Chicago for their client Effen Vodka, That's spelled E F F. E-N, vodka, was uh, just so compelling we had to feature it today. And and let me begin by trying to describe best I can the uh, design that we're going to feature. We're going to feature a couple designs here. Imagine a a billboard, a 14 by 48 standard bulletin, the kind you see along the freeway, that has uh, a a uh, silver-white color scheme to it, and and a glass of vodka is the single-only graphic on the board. The headline reads, un effin Believable, and and the word Effen is uh, of course the brand name, which shows through the glass of vodka, so it has a slight magnification to the brand's uh, names typeface. Sure, uh, and, and therefore the uh, so it's raised a little bit, and underneath the Effen word uh, is the smaller type vodka. So in effect, it it creates the. Uh, Visual there as if you're looking through a bottle of and vodka. So, what do we have here? We have a headline that is provocative and humorous, of course, and it's uh, designed and integrated into the advertiser's product name and includes a product feature, that being a very clear uh, product there. Sure. And obviously, the idea for the silver and white color screen is to use to convey the clarity and purity of the effin uh, brand of vodka. The effin received an OB award for another belt board uh, with the same exact design that I described earlier, so I don't have to go through all that. Uh, and what you see as far as a headline, mm-hmm. distilled five effing times. <laughs> so, uh, again, w- w- what I'm thinking here is we have two very well executed, thoroughly thought through. Uh, creative outdoor designs that convey brand name, product appeal, along with humor, and all wrapped up, Ray, in a single, easy-to-understand, memorable execution. The outdoor medium, of course, uh, hasn't been diluted due to fragmentation, as other traditional media have, and many ad- in the ad community are waking up to this fact, and outdoors is uh, a hot medium right now. So congratulations sure. to Effin Vodka mm-hmm. and their agency, Euro RSCG Chicago, for this week's Advertisers Showcase Item of the Week. And, by the way, I was in a... Uh, a store just today. I wasn't going there for that reason, but I wandered over to the uh, liquor area of did this particular it, store. Way. I did see it, and it's uh, it's an interesting package. It doesn't. Hmm. It's not conveyed on the billboard. It has kind of a uh, a white. Uh, oh, it's not. It's all glass, but uh, on the bottom portion of the bottle, there's a white, uh, almost like a plastic material that's hmm. uh, wrapped around the bottle. So it's an unusual. A bottle and an unusual execution and a great a great, uh, a great uh, couple billboards there right i 'm a big fan
1: of all kinds of advertising like that, especially outdoor and I think you can do so many great things if you take the time to do it right, and so many people don 't as we notice. Uh, so All over. over. So many billboards. It's like, let's take a great idea. Well, first, there's two scenarios. There's a great idea that's debuted, and then it's totally wiped out by the client. Right. Or it never gets to that stage, and people say, I want to put my entire story, my dog, and my daughter on the billboard, right. and that's it. So well, then, and congratulations it, to them.
2: Yeah, and you know what ends up happening with Outdoor is, you know, you sit with the board in front of you as of your course. rapper, your ad agency, is coming in and showing it to you. and then. By the time you get real familiar with it and you get through you, meaning the client, screwing around with it, it becomes familiar to you. So when you look at it up there in the sky with all that crazy... Uh, additional content that should never have been there yeah. it makes sense to you the advertiser because you you've sat with it you familiarize you so yourself with it, it. <laughs> well that too you want but much? Uh, yeah but you you lose your objectivity is what ends sure. up happening yeah. and uh, yeah, a good agency person obviously would discourage your client from doing that but as you say ray you see so much of this out there mm-hmm. uh you ask yourself how could that ugly billboard have ever made it up there well it's a it's a situation where a client Uh, Doesn't really understand because they're too familiar with it. They sat with it, studied it before it went up, so it looks more, uh, more clear of a message to a a client. Uh, And of course, there's a little bit of uh, pride in authorship as well. You know, they look at that and oh, there's, there's my work. Well. Uh, you're better off taking that money to a gentleman's club, I would suppose,
1: <laughs> or something like that. No, <laughs> uh, bonds. Invest in uh, you know short yield bonds. Stocks and right? bonds. Yes, exactly. that's a good point. <laughs> uh, the, speaking of uh, logos and things that are changing, uh, ABC is going to display a certain familiar resemblance to sibling ESPN starting this really? fall. Can you imagine that? The ABC and the logo. ESPN logo coming together.
2: together.
1: huh? Wow, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's big. Uh, you know, ESPN's been around for how long? ABC's well, been around for how long? Right. So it's, kind of, it's interesting to see what's happening to uh, to the brands that we are so familiar with. They're gone. Well, that's, I guess that's just the way it is. And, you know, he was talking before about uh, chaos in advertising. I don't know that there's ever been a time that there wasn't chaos, and I also believe that if there wasn't chaos it wouldn't be as much fun so let's have some more okay alex ben block is with us he's the entertainment industry journalist and author sometimes actor and has a daughter that sings he'll be with us next week the advertising show brought to you by advertising age magazine you can visit them online at adage.com don't forget to visit us here at the advertising as well this is a big radio midgets production